good people. It's Reg. It's Stone. And we are out here. You know, the Grammys are being pushed back, so we've decided to take over the space. <laughs> We're going to be having our own Twitch stream, you know, reginstone.com. You know, we've got invited all your favorite artists, you know. Um, obviously, we can afford real artists. We have impersonators of those artists. I've got uh, Mr. Bruno Zars coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, various other classic celebs going to redo uh, We Are the World. And uh, that's about it. You know what I'm saying? Tune in. You know, only for eight ninety nine per hour. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would say this. Back in the blog era, we might have been able to get away with that. Yes. We, we might have got some Vice money. We might have got some, like, oh, you know, some yeah. Red Bull money, some Converse money, some Scion money. Like, yes. <laughs> That stage up there, we put, and we could have got like we wouldn't have the full stuff. We could have definitely afforded. What would have been able to afford? Not Foo Fighters. We could have definitely got her. Yeah, I think yeah. we could have. We could have definitely afforded. <laughs> like that would have been a lot of our budget, but I think we could have pulled that off. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Regina Stone is back. I guess not officially for the new year. We actually had our wrap up was technically in the new year, but I guess it was the first time we're back with. With doing the new, the new tracks, the new music, uh, the new things, the new songs, the new talks, the new styles. Yeah, man, it's yeah. it's it's a new year. Like new we, year. oh shit, but still, new year, yeah, new year. <laughs> and then uh, we still out here quarantining. But... We still out here quarantining. <laughs> and uh, this is gonna be a, a little bit in poor taste, but apparently, you know, sadly enough, there's still a lot of death. Uh, Ronnie Spector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, R.I.P. Um, the Ronettes, Seminole Rock, Se- Seminole Rock Group. I was gonna say Silver Rock, Seminole Rock Group. Um, obviously, last name Spectre was from Phil Spectre, infamous producer from that p- time period. I guess certified asshole, we could say. Talented, certified, but certified asshole. Certified, certified like, asshole. Like kidnapped her and everything. Yeah. Kidnapped her and other women too. Shot people, but uh, but also talented musician. Funny how that works out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Womp womp. But um. Long story short, um, what's kind of fascinating about the Ronettes is that you've got a woman who was basically a black woman, half black, half Cherokee, leading this fucking group that fucking kind of helped shape A, rock music to white masses, and B, also helped shape this sound, this wall of sound that Ronnie Spector would kind of do, where, you know, a lot of the, your Beach Boys, this, this layered harmony, type of harmony, type of harmony, this arguably this maximalist thing that we kind of do now in pop music, you know, where it's just like... Every frequency covered from like your your Yeezy synth sounds to like fucking your orchestra on fucking stage is like that kind of came from that era and you know lived a very long fruitful life. Eventually divorced him in the seventies because he was like we said a bad person. Kind of had a little bit of a of a solo career on her own, but just kind of one of the seminal fucking just bricks that this rock shit was built on. And this actually I can't say this rock music, this, this pop music shit in general. Um, so you know, rest in peace. Yeah, I, I will say probably one of the most underrated um, women, men, person in music. Um, and also like somebody who kind of redefined her career uh, as the decades changed and reinvented herself. Yeah. And I thought that was like really interesting as well. Um, you know, starting in this kind of like, you know, 60s era, which is kind of like, you know, kind of your, like your... Um, you know, kind of Motown-esque era, like that type of music, into, 
you know, like I was just showing Reg, like there's a flyer of her on the same, <laughs> like it going playing the same venue as like Black Flag and the remotes, <laughs> you know, and she's rock and roll, you know, and, like she's like doing this this whole like kind of crazy seventies punk rock and roll thing. So it was like, and like her face is like as equally as big as if not bigger as Henry, Henry Rollins, you know, <laughs> um, which is crazy. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to see that as well. And, you know, like, like I said, like there's so many un underheard, like black and brown, like women, particularly, uh, yes. who kind of came in, in this era and really kind of, uh, you know, define what music is and and Ronnie Spector talks too about how a lot of her success was kind of placed on like her husband or her ex-husband right and like a lot of people think that you can't just be a creative woman in the in the industry you have to have a man behind you um, and this is very very similar to like how Tina Turner was treated as well you know where it's just kind of like oh you can't do this on your own like, oh, you're just like the puppet and like the man is doing the production and songwriting and things like that. Um, so, you know, a lot of, of it is just like her kind of fighting for credibility uh, as well. Um, and, you know, like she was still out here up until, like, you know, May, I think like uh, probably before quarantine, I think she was still like pretty active out, out in these streets, like performing, things like that. So, um, you know, like still keeping the flame alive. So. R.I.P. for sure. Yeah. Um, and hopefully this will open up a lot of people um, to, to really kind of like revisit if if and if not visit like the legacy of uh, Ronnie Spector. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's very important. Your point is it's it's weird to see how a lot of because it's, it's at the end of the day, it's like, you know, to the victor goes to spoils. We, we've kind of decided a very certain segment of like, you know, it's your Elvis, it's your Beatles, it's. It's certain groups are kind of anointed as like these are the guys that were important, but like you know somebody like Duranettes and Ronnie Spector, it's kind of to decide where she's known, but it's not really she gets her flowers per se. And so hopefully, like you know, as you know, because apparently we all became woke, you know, last year, you know, so so <laughs> now that we're all <laughs> like you know we revisit like you know the contributions that Black people, that Black woman, kind of made to the genre because they, like Roberta, like Sister Roberta Sharp was there like in the beginning. Like yeah. there's a lot of you know queer Black folks were there in the beginning, females were there in the beginning. So hopefully that you know we're kind of. <laughs> You know, I'm thinking about even even like it's funny how things go. So even the whole the big eyelashes, the big hair, that's just Amy Winehouse, too. Come yeah. on. Ron is all Winehouse. Now I'm thinking about it, too. So I'm hoping that, like, you know, things are becoming on flatter. We all got that Spotify. You know, back in the days, you'd have to go out there and buy them Ron records. Now I could just kind of go type, you know, you need to do your little fingers, put it in there, check it out. You know, maybe there's some samples out there for y'all producers. But I, I think it's an opportunity to kind of sit there and kind of just like, hey. You know, she was an important figure, and it's cool to kind of like. It was nice to see her name, obviously not pass, not, not show up because she died, but at least like, hey, this she was an important figure, like this for her to get press, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, and what else? And uh, we were just, me and Stone were discussing this. You know, one of our favorites. You know, one of the, one of the one of the bands that brought me into hip hop. This hip hop shit. <laughs> Brockhampton is apparently breaking up. Um, they had a couple of dates lined up in the year. They kind of killed off a lot of those dates. Right now, they basically plan on playing Coachella and kind of calling it quits. 
Um, I I am I am deeply in deep mourning. Um, I don't know. Uh, even though being a little sarcastic, at least for me with Brockhampton, what I thought was kind of interesting was that I guess the DIY method kind of being brought into the online space. These are guys that just met on Kanye to the had the same kind of vibe, kind of linked up, kind of created this fucking musical group, kind of broke a lot of barriers, I think, or I think in their own way tried to break a lot of barriers. I like the fact that they wanted to be referred to as a boy band because I think that it's kind of also important because, you know, hip-hop still kind of gets a weird kind of, uh, you know, it, it, there's a link to the way hip-hop gets seen and the way it gets marketed and the way it gets processed by popular media. And I think it had been very easy for people to see a whole bunch of rapping dudes and been like, oh, well, d- these rapping dudes, you know, they're, th- you know, put them in a box, basically. Like, hey, yeah. this is what these guys do. And I think by them kind of saying they're a boy band, while not necessarily, I will say, political for capital P, was kind of very telling where it's like, hey, it's four of us. You know, it's four of us. It's a, it's a bunch of us. We're all in our, you know, late teens, early 20s. We're doing this thing together as a collective. Why can't we not be a boy band? Why do we have to be quote unquote rappers? And even though I don't know if that was necessarily their point, it was kind of very important, I think, to make. Whereas it's like, hey, don't really pigeon us into this kind of like fucking, you know, we're going to kind of make our own lane. And I kind of always admired that I, I bought the group, even though I may not have necessarily admired a lot of their songs. And yeah, that's, that's, that's my, it, it's, it's interesting for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, Brockhampton was a, a group where I think, you know, when Saturation 2 came out, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. We were like, geeks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it was really cool. Um, and I I really didn't check a lot of their later work. I think Roadrunner I checked out, um, which I thought was, like, really good as well and probably, like, a fairly underrated album. Probably their best album, to be honest. Um, really? I think so. I, I, I like Saturation but I think Roadrunner, I think, to me, sounds a little bit more mature. Um, but I think for me, it's re- just really interesting to see this evolution of a band where they kind of started out as a boy band. They started out as like, hey, we're just like hanging out, making music. You know, we all had this house in L.A. Like our graphic designer might jump on the mic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like we're embracing like people who are queer, people who are like, you know, white dudes. Like, you know, everybody's welcome in this house. Everybody's welcome in this, this kind of, like, organization. And I thought it was, like, a really cool concept. Um, and I think, you know, there is a comparison to Odd Future, but there's not. I think, like, Brockhampton was way more of a, like, everybody kind of had the same lane, whereas Odd Future, there's, like, multiple different lanes, and they're just more of a collective, whereas I think Brockhampton was more of a group. But... I think it's really kind of interesting to kind of see the breakdown of the group. You know, when Amir left and like there's somebody I talked to who's like a really big Rockhampton fan, they're basically like that was the day that the music died, basically. Um, that that was the day when like, you know, they they were no longer kind of a boy band. Like, I think like their later work was a little bit more serious, a little bit more like, you know, what the fuck? I know they like, there's an interview where they said, hey, we're not a boy band anymore. Like, you know, did that. And I thought that was just, like, really kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's, 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 it's sad and, and also interesting as well. They, they kind of have to grow up from that whole, like, you know, teenage, young adult mindset. And now it's like, oh, we got to, like, refactor our whole career to save our career, basically. You know, we have to, like, figure out how to do press and media now, how to talk about this 
this person. Like, and I, I feel like that was reflected in kind of their music. Um, and then the other thing too, um, you know, I, I think there's another allegation around like, you know, grooming and sex trafficking, um, which was false, but it's, it was kind of fake news, but I only saw one article say it was fake news, you know? So I think that was kind of weighing on them. And I think like their later output just didn't have that excitement around it as their previous work. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that they, you know, called it quits. Cause I'm just kidding. You know, they're looking at the landscape and they're just like, like, we don't really have the buzz anymore. Like it's about to be quarantine again. Half these shows might not even go on. <laughs> so fuck it. <laughs> uh, let's get this Coachella bag. <laughs> and, you know, be out our way. Like, and maybe we can like jack up our price for Coachella. Cause that's going to be our last shows, you yeah. know, or, or Coachella, you know, 2028, you know what I'm saying? Come back. Brockhampton reunited. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's really sad. And I like, like, as I started like doing more research and talk to more people, like it's, it's, you know, they're all kind of going through some shit like over the past like few years trying to, to figure some things out. And yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I, I have to give credit to what credit's do. I do think that for them stepping up and, and I do agree with you where the sound kind of took a darker turn. I do think that for them. And again, I know to a certain extent it's kind of a ploy people to do the bare minimum, oh, the bare minimum, but honestly, that's kind of like the way the music industry is for them to have kicked out, like, you know, their boy, their founding member, kind of taking those steps as opposed to kind of hiding those allegations I think is admirable um, and like I said it kind of sucks and, and I think you know and I do remember the, the whole thing about the grooming and everything else I think they kind of understood that you know they were young kids their music appeals to young kids there's that weird lane of like odd future where it's like you know if you don't like your parents if you feel kind of like you know like an outsider for you you know this this lane's for you and even though like I said I for me with Brockhampton never really hit because I'm a little bit outside of the age demographic yeah um <laughs> the demographic for me was actually you know the odd future that was that was that's when I was rocked <laughs> to in my in my in my 30s but uh no it's just the idea of where there was a lot of been there done that but there's a reason why there's a been there done that there's a reason why there's an odd future there's a reason why there's a nirvana there's a reason why there's a bad brains or a minor threat you always kind of need there's a reason why there's a brockhampton you kind of need music that speaks to you like even if if it's not necessarily the most eloquent the most you know musical you know even though it may not be quote unquote even the coolest per se as far as you know you might disavow that shit 20 years later it's the idea of, hey, you know, you want to have music of the moment that kind of speaks to you directly, and they kind of nailed that. Um, what's for me with Brockhampton, I think, is a lot of it was the fact that I kind of wish they went a little deeper. I personally like having abstract solo stuff more. Yeah. Not necessarily because it's musically better, but I felt like the stakes were a little bit higher and a little bit more interesting. But like I said, I, I respected what they were doing. And like I said, it's for them to kick their dude out, particularly at their ages, because you have dudes in their fucking... Man, of all the little stories that come out about these industry predators and you have all these grown-ass men, capital G, still defending them where they aren't even getting the bag with them. For them to have to get that step to kick out the guy that was literally living with them for like fucking years by that point was a fucking ballsy move. So so like I said, I, I want to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, I definitely. That, yeah, and I do think there's nothing wrong with like uh, like breaking up. Like it's, it's kind of weird where we kind of want things to go on indefinitely, but I think there's honor in it. Um, I'm reading like an autobiography about like, I guess not necessarily punk music, but indie rock music from the 80s to 90s called Our Band Could Be Your Life. 
and it's kind of covering all the bands that break up and this and that. And it's kind of fascinating because sometimes it's definitely internal stuff. Sometimes, unfortunately, it led to because, you know, some of the members died or whatever, whatever. But sometimes they're like, yo, this ride is over. Like we've done, we've done this crazy ass music. We dropped two or three records. You know, maybe I want to go to art school. Maybe I want to start a family. Maybe I want to do some solo shit. And it's fine. We'll put this musical art, I mean, this musical act and art to, to rest. And I think that there's no shame in it because how many, if you count up the mixtapes and the albums, goddamn, they've got like fucking eight shits. You know what I'm saying? Like they've got a lot, they've got a discography. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So Definitely. like it's, I, I think that in general, we kind of want our acts to stay together, but sometimes this is good enough, you know, just just drop it, give give everybody what they want, give what they need. And before you get fucking bored and before it becomes a job, break up. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, like uh, in the conversation I'm having, like, like Kevin Abstract's 25. Like Jesus Christ! <laughs> you don't realize how young these kids Fuck. were, right? Like, like you know, I mean, they had to be like getting together like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old, right? Like, <laughs> to almost have like a a decade long music career. <laughs> crazy <laughs> at twenty five is crazy, you know. Um, and I think that's like the bright spot. It's like obviously like having an abstract. I, I I agree with you. I think like Arizona Baby was a pretty cool album, um, really dope. And there's a lot. I I think like Kevin abstract. He's probably going to be like the breakout star, um, in terms of, like who like the person I feel like might have like the next music career and just you know if they get the right producers, you know whatever. Like I I definitely kind of can see like you know that you know breaking off. Also, the really dope rap name, Kevin Abstract, you know. So, yeah, they're very. Um, but, you know, all of them, like, they're all young. So it's like, it's, I, you know, I feel like an old man, but like, damn, you got your life ahead of you. Like, <laughs> you know, like, sky's the limit. You know, hopefully you got your bag. Hope you, hopefully you invested it, you know. Um, not in and, crypto because crypto is tanking right now. But NFTs, like, man. Oh, oh, all the saturation <laughs> records. Yeah. All NFTs. Yeah. But like, you know, hopefully like, you know, they're able to like flourish because, you know, again, like if they come back in five years, they're only going to be barely 30. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> you know, so if they come back in 15 years or they're pushing 40, right? Like, you know, so I... I, I, I will say, I, I you know, it's hard to retire in hip-hop, so I, I don't know. I can't think of an artist that's had, like, a, a like actual retirement. Like, people was like, oh, yo, I retired. Like, everybody comes back at some point. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think this is, this is the end. I do think, like, they'll be back in some form. I think, like, the solo projects are going to be really interesting. Um, you know, hopefully they can like keep some of that creative energy going, and maybe they need to die. It's like a phoenix, so maybe they have to like die so they can rise and rebirth. So, oh, the metaphors, the metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like I said, a very important group. You know, like I said, not necessarily always my cup of tea, but always, like I said, it's for me. Is this the idea of where like they were never whack? Like, you know, like it may not happen for me, but I can listen to a fucking a Brockhampton song and be like, all right, I see what they're doing here. And it's very, and surprisingly really expertly well made. Like it's there, it never, there was never that weird mixtape period that you felt were fucking odd future. It kind of came out pretty much fully formed. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah props, yeah. props to them. Um, and I guess we're going to go into the new music section because there were some superstar releases towards the end of the year into the new year probably the biggest is the god 
weekend. Before the, before the weekend, we were out in the club, popping our mollies, driving the Range Rover, sipping the Cristal. The weekend came in there like, no, I know how y'all really living. Depressed. <laughs> Blowing up your credit cards. Beam, I'm mad at you. Sad scum. And from that, he's made very, very important music about cocaine. Some of your biggest cocaine hits since the Eagles have come from the weekend. It's just funny, like Pusha T moves the cocaine and the weekend consumes it. <laughs> it's a circle of life. <laughs> they need to drop to be on a track together. That'd be great. Ooh. But uh that's I love that by the way. Um Long story short, came out with a bunch of very influential mixtapes, very dark R&B, kind of pivoted, blatantly so, intentionally so, to wanting to do more pop music, like his adult Michael Jackson. Um, Kisslin was kind of the in-between on his way there. Then he had Starboy and a huge hit single on a Hollywood movie. And from that point on, his just get, star was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Then during the end times, he dropped After Hours. His ode to 80s Fifth music and his star blew up Mega Nova, where pretty much, and then we, I, we're discussing this. I think I say Drake has the edge for biggest pop male star, but he's right there behind him. Yeah. 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 Like this dude, this is private jets, literally dating models. Like he's, he's up there in echelon. Um, for me, it's interesting because I'm somebody who, and I think we both agree with this, we really loved his earlier stuff because it was kind of new, it was interesting. He kind of took R&B in a weird, dark place, a place it's been since, but at the time it was very new. Um, him pivoting into pop stardom hasn't necessarily annoyed me as much because you could tell it was very calculated. He was doing works with Max Martin. He's basically said so. Um... What's been fascinating for me is to see him do that, but also stay really weird, if that makes any weird sense. Yeah. Where he's showing up wearing prosthetics, you know, looking like he just had plastic surgery, a lot of weird performance art things. Um, what I like about, let's say, After Hours is the fact of where it's just him and his most pop. It's like, look, you want, you know, the synth shit is back, synth wave is back. I'm going to give you these hits, synth, synth, uh, synth, literally synthesized through synths, very top 40, all huge hits. And now he dropped Dawn FM, which I guess is more of a concept album. You've got Jim Carrey kind of narrating it as if it's like the afterlife. Um, definitely the synth sound has not gone anywhere. It's still very he heavily synth influence of that 80 sound. But that said, with this record, it seems a little broader where you'll have a lot more songs happening. It's going to sound like a weird fucking comparison. It's a little bit more. This is Bruno Mars album. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> Whereas I, I, like. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it's more a little bit more leaning into the concept than Bruno Mars album now. Because like, oh, yeah. Bruno, yeah, Bruno is kind of like, I don't know, like top level. Whereas like this it goes a little bit deeper, but I see I see this comparison though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely an homage to a certain sound. Um, after hours, I thought it was very like uh, almost Tron soundtrack esque, a little bit too cold at times. Um, obviously the weekend kind of deals in coldness. That's his whole thing about how being a, you know a self medicating depressed Lola Lothario. But with this, what I liked about it is the idea of where, as opposed to after hours, where it's definitely in the synth pop rock 
kind of vein. Here you have a little bit of funk. You've got a little bit of like, let's say, more traditional R&B. It's a little bit of a wider shot of what a weekend is. And I think it's going to be interesting because like, I'm not going to say it's a blacker version of the weekend per se, but definitely I would say for somebody who's kind of going for mainstream, mainstream pop white kind of anthems, he kind of brings it back just a little bit. Like he's got Tyler on this. Now to say again, Tyler's a bastion of blackness, but still he's got some, you know, regular rapping on here. He's got some classic 80s black radio samples on here. He's kind of trying to do a balance. I think of almost old weekend and a new weekend, if that makes any word sense. Not necessarily old weekend in per se in sound, but somebody who's kind of steeped in black music. There's more of a nod towards, I guess, a wider base of his fans. Yeah, I mean, Lil Wayne's one here, too, which is yeah. uh, <laughs> really interesting. With a, with a terror bad verse, by the way. Yeah. yeah it's, you can't was... call... He's, he's he's only rapping at a high level on street shit now. Like, for for a while, we lost him completely. He was off the fucking rails. Yeah. Now Wayne is back, but only in that fucking category. If you're, you're going to have Wayne doing some shit, where it's just like... You know, like, trying to do, like, like Mr. Officer... It was Mrs. Officer, right? Like, pop shit. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. You know... When he was doing that fucking tightrope, lollipop, nah, that that way, that way, gone, bro, gone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and uh, also too, like, like the dude who's always uh, invited to the to the barbecue, uh, Jim Carrey. Is, Jim Carrey, uh... <laughs> boy, made the mask. Living color, he was there. You know, in he's, living color, he's one of our seminal black comedians. In, in living color, he's always going to get invited, and apparently, he's mad cool now. Apparently he's just like he's artist, chill out, like beard, everything, like zinned out, like he's mad cool. Um, yeah, I I thought this I, I thought this album was really enjoyable, and I I think I've been as somebody who liked like House of Balloons, but really didn't like anything between like House of Balloons and Starboy <laughs> for the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> and still gets annoyed by the weekend's lyrics because they're trash. Um, I will say this. I will say between like Starboy, After Hours, and and now this. Like I, I love the weekend's evolution. He's found like this really cool, interesting lane. Um, you know, I, I think you know this album. I think was executed to perfection in terms of the production, which is not surprising because it's it's Max Martin. Um, but it's not overly pop, you know. Like it's, it is not. Like I feel like it's not Bruno Mars, right? Like I, like Bruno Mars. Like there's tracks from Silk Sonic that I still like sing like word for word because Bruno is like a really great songwriter and has like lines and melodies. This was literally more of like this album was literally more like a, of an experience where I kind of like just fell into the album. It's like a weird kind of like I was melding into the album. Um, <laughs> Because it has a singular theme, it has a singular like spine in terms of like the production. I thought the Jim Carrey like like interludes was like really interesting and cinematic, you know. And tied it together, um, like I thought it was gonna be like silly. It's actually pretty deep. Yeah, like even the last like the last one was like, oh shit, this is like life changing, Jim Carrey. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> um, you know, having that said, I I do think that like the Tyler and Wayne uh, features were really not needed. And I, I really don't know who put that on. Like the, the Wayne one, especially just like kind of took me out of the song. The Tyler one 
Tyler was trying, but like it, it's just didn't feel right you know it was a weird song too because it was weekend at old weekend so it was this weekend like i'm the scumbaggy you know i'll, yeah. I'll, I'll fuck your girl and then fuck your mom so it was it's a weird it was just totally a weird song just to have tyler on it too it was again I, i'm not mad at it like song writing like as far as again with weekend we just we do, like we know lyrics are very questionable so yeah. the arrangements the melodies the singing solid the lyrics are very questionable and, and it's kind of interesting that like like you know you've got tyler was kind of on a creative high too whereas like they were both kind of showed up for this track <laughs> like, yeah like, all right well, let's, let's lock it out we're in the studio let's put something on it together there's, there's no real there's nothing special about it long story short yeah and, and that's the thing it doesn't even feel like they're in the studio together it feels like tyler was in quarantine and it's like oh let me just record this on my in my iphone and send it over <laughs> like, the label made me do this you know so um, those are probably like the two low points, but uh, I, I think it's a really solid album. Like I, it's probably I mean After Hours is really good. Starboy is is a lot better than I thought it would be, but this might be the weekend's best album to me. I need I need to like listen to it a few more times, but I've listened to it about three times now, and it's really solid. Like I I think it's just executed so well. Um, and it's got me interested in the weekend. Like, I just need, think he needs like a songwriter. He needs like Drake songwriters, ghostwriters, because like the 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 lyricism is mad play, dude. Like, you gotta find like how many other dudes, girls can you like fuck? Like, about, you know what's funny about it though? It's at a certain point, it's like what a, he's in on it at a certain point. Like, and and I kind of find it fascinating because. He's somebody where obviously he's made his point, like do it singing, singing the scumbag. But some of it makes me like it's like come on when you have a title where I heard you're married, you have to know. Yeah. Or like fucking like I was on the he's on the FK Twigs. He got an FK um, song of FK Twigs on her fucking new mixer coming out. It's called Tears in the Club, and I'm yeah. like, if there's anything <laughs> that's weakened at its essence, is a song called Tears in the Club. <laughs> Maybe it's like this hyper, like you know, like you said, like hyper aware, like like Drake, you know, just like it's almost like this is a meme. I know you motherfuckers are going to talk about it on my on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my intern's going to listen to it, like going to tell me about it. I'm going to chuckle as I like sit in my you know tub of money. <laughs> I just, it's because you know what it is? it's like I. All right, so the interesting thing about The weekend is that his trajectory doesn't necessarily match, right? So when he is doing, like, yo, I'm out here doing lines of coke, he was basically a poor college student. Whereas, like, again, that was that was the that was the blog era, so there was definitely some money and some white powder flying around, but not to the extent that was categorized yeah. in those songs by somebody who definitely was just kind of aspiring and kind of getting put on. And on this flip side, where he's somebody where he could literally private himself everywhere... But he's got like an HBO deal. He's extremely prolific, even though he's not putting out albums. This dude is probably straight edge as fuck, but it's still like, you know, I'm out here supposedly, you know, <laughs> high on the cocaine, sad because a bottle of waitress left me. And I'm just like, you know, both sides are kind of put on. So it's, it's fascinating. But like I said, I think it's needed to a certain extent. Um, I think that, and I hate to say it, it's like, you always had these weird fuckboy anthems that weren't really sold as fuckboy anthems. What I find fascinating about The Weeknd is like he shows up like, I am the bad guy. Like, this is not... Like, I am the guy who cheated on you. I am XYZ. 
unlike let's say let's you look at a Drake where it's just like very much like you know I was wronged I was a good guy yeah I was this I, you know we can like no I'm scum I'm scum I was yeah. born scum don't leave your girl your drink or your drugs around me I'm gonna take them all and I kind of I find it fascinating in a weird almost gothic it's like Slayer almost it's just like it's scary music yeah. and so his pop era kind of always kind of fascinating because it's like you know the music kind of sound all this weird and grungy and you know not grungy in the grunt sound but like you know dark basement r&b like like we're literally out like shit you were here in an after party at two in the morning he did a pivot to fucking basically like you know max martin i can't feel my face neo disco even though it's still fucked up and dark kind of even leaned more into like these really glossy synth sounds with fucking Starboy and After Hours. So it's kind of been fascinating to kind of see him do this tightrope. Like I said, the only thing is, and like I agree with you, is that at the end of the day, though, I feel like lyric wise, there's a lot of ways you could kind of tackle those themes without being like, you know, fucked up in the club. You know, like, yeah. there's gotta be, yeah. um, throw a little bit of more effort into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can still I, land that plane in scumbag land with a little bit more eloquence. Yeah. I, 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 I told my wife, I'm like, this is basically like SoundCloud rapper lyrics. <laughs> To Max Martin production, <laughs> and this is where we are right now. <laughs> oh man! But uh, yeah, no, like I, I, I like it. I like him winning. I, I like the fact of where you've got a, uh, you know, one of the big pop dudes out there that's still kind of trying to push to push it forward. He's got one points never, um, one point, one tricks point never. I always, always mispronounce his name. Um, op- um, once one tricks point never. The producer. Help me with this. Come on, blog Aristotle. Bro, bro, I'm 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 trying to, to Google as fast as I can right now. <laughs> uh I'm gonna kill this. It's it's I think it's pronounced one tricks points. And that sounds is real. This is me typing into the keyboard. <laughs> we gotta edit this out. One oh tricks point ah. number. I, I I apologize. One <laughs> tricks point never very experimental electronic musician that somehow him and Weekend are BFF. So I know he did some work on After Hours and the Weekend also in turn did work on his experimental album. So I, I know that in addition to Max Martin, he's somebody who's been in the corner for him. These last couple of records to kind of help sculpt the sound. Um, I'm not going to say it was him for the artsy reason, but I think that it's kind of telling to about his mind state where he's dragging out, you know, obscure pitchfork era you know, electronic producers to kind of help them kind of shape it together. Like I said, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of work going into what he's doing, even though it's pop focused, except for the lyrics. So that's what yeah. I kind of find fascinating about him. Yeah. But um, like like you kind of said, like for me personally, very well put together album, despite the lyrics, very deep as far as the Jim Carrey bookends. I thought going to the idea of it being very meta, I thought the, the Quincy Jones speech was very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. It, it's yeah, for sure. It's like this is why I'm a scumbag. My mom's mom's abandoned me. Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, hotels with dudes. Yeah, hotels. <laughs> the fuckboy hotels. <laughs> Jasmine did not did not do this <laughs> for weekend soundtracks. But uh, but you know it's I, like I said it's even though it's not necessarily always my bag I love the fact of where he's kind of doing this on a high level he's doing it with artistry even though we're taking podcasts as his lyrics it's still pop music lyrics or lyrics whatever um, yeah and like I said it, I, I think it's a good 
it's a good way to start the year. So I'm looking forward to what kind of also pops up this year as far as big mainstream albums because it started off strong. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, have, we have one more throw. We're going to go in there is uh, towards the end of the year. While me, while me and Stone were in the lab working hard, you know, Ernst Young Accountants, you know what I'm saying? Supercomputers, Hydron Collider, you know what I'm saying? We were doing the maths to figure out our end of the year lists. Mr. Nazir Jones came out and dropped magic. You know what I'm saying? We couldn't go back to the algorithm. We couldn't, we couldn't undo all that work. You know what I'm saying? We had thousands of scientists working there day and night figuring out that final Excel spreadsheet. But uh, I, I kind of want to acknowledge it only because... It's basically, I guess it's a trilogy now, but you know, for the last couple of records, he's been doing works of the King Disease records with Hitboy. Um, overall, it's been Nas at a relatively high level, perhaps not 100% old Nas, but definitely consistently solid. Um, I think of Nas, he's somebody who feasts or famines based on his production. Having Hitboy there, who's a very much an accomplished producer who's been there for a very long time, who knows who Nas is. I thought those two records were good. As a matter of fact, I would almost argue the weak point of those records tended to be the lyrics. I'm mm. not too sure it's because he was in a point of where, you know, it's it's weird growing up like an elder hip-hop statesman. I think it's, it's kind of a hard airplane to land. You look at somebody like 50 Cent, who's kind of like, you know, depending on what, the day of the week, could be a smart guy giving out, you know, long-term advice, business advice, or a trolley asshole. Um... You've got people who are kind of just completely almost disavowed or kind of figured out a way to kind of do hip-hop differently, like as far as Jay-Z's, Jay-Z's concerned, where he doesn't really mix it up with the regular folks. I think Nas has been kind of trying to find his footing, I think, musically. Um, and I think with Magic, this last record, it kind of hit it. I think a lot of that is due to what Hitboy did, where his those other records were definitely focused on R&B, hip-hop, boom-bap kind of sounds. With this is definitely, of course, boom bap, but it's definitely a little bit more soulful, not necessarily in the blueprint kind of West way, but more in a classic, like, hey, you know, Craig Digger kind of way. And I think it fits Nas perfectly because as opposed to some of his other, those other two records where you have a couple of weird lyrical missteps where, you know, he might kind of peer into a little bit about a divorce and you kind of feel, it was a little bit of a, it's, at this point in time, that's nothing to prove to any of us. He's he's basically, he's in the pantheon. And I think that this record is kind of the first time where it felt like he's really comfortable in this game. So, you know, and I think a lot of people kind of been saying, like, this is, this is Nas, best Nas album since Elmatic and all the highball behind it. Um, I think it's a little bit unfair. It's definitely a later era Nas album. But what's fascinating is I think it's probably the first later era Nas album where he sounds like, hey, I'm just out here making music because I want to and, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm here. Like, I, I've done, I've got nothing to prove to anybody. I am one of the best who ever did it. And I like that in this record. That's, that's what's up. And, and the algorithm, for some reason, did not serve this record to me. So. Ah, uh, see. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole discussion we can have too, because like you know, I remember just back in the day, like you knew when the, an album was dropping, because like the street team was like everywhere, and like you knew, like you know, oh snap, like you know, January seventeenth, like so and so is going to drop, like it was like a lot of energy around it, and now it feels like just like albums just drop, and you're just kind of like, oh, you know, like do it when <laughs> I catch it when I can, I, I guess, you know, I think uh, it's. It's fucked up because the whole idea behind the algorithm was that it would expose you to new music and it kind of does and it kind of doesn't. We've discussed it before where it's like, it'll yeah. be oddly racist 
Whereas yeah. it's like, it's, oh, you like this kind of music, so you're only going to listen to this kind of music, so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate where for something that's eclectic, it definitely does a good job of, of putting you onto new acts, but new acts in a very limited idea of what you listen to. So it's a very weird space to be where, like we're both eclectic music listeners, and I'm sure you've noticed it also. It's not like it'll be like, oh, his LCD sound system, his fucking cool G rap, and his fucking Lady Gaga remix. It's more like, if you listen to the Lady Gaga remix, all you listen to is really yeah. shitty Lady Gaga fucking bite-offs for the yeah. next fucking hour or two. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of like, like a... Like Gen Z vaporware type shit, like Coco and Claire Claire, just because it's like, you know, stripped down trap melodies. And all I get is this really bad, like Gen Z's, like yeah. their, their weird version of SoundCloud rap, which is not bad. It's entertaining, but it's just like, I'm riding that wave now. The second I go listen to Earl Sweatshirt's record, it'll be back to boom bap. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like there's, there's not a lot of diversity there. And I've been listening to like uh, music to study to. <laughs> Lo-fi <laughs> hip hop beats, you know, and and I mean that's that's all I get, and and that is that is literally all I get now is lo-fi hip hop and lo-fi R and B, like it's it's like I I try to like throw some rock music in there, like just to like switch things up, and they're like, no, nah, fam, you can't fool me, yeah. like your black ass is listening to some more lo-fi <laughs> hip hop. <laughs> Get back in that corner. Get, get. Yeah, no, it sucks. And like I said, I, I wish, because it's smart enough to know, it's like, here are your songs for the year. These are your most played genres. These are this, these are that. But it's still like, hey, well, we know what you really like there, guy. Yeah. And I, I think it's unfortunate because, you know, I think that the irony of it all is people are more eclectic listeners, I think, as a result of the, the ubiquity of music. But in a weird way, it's like you still have to do the fucking legwork. Like, it's yeah. bizarre. Like, you figure yeah. that, yeah, if, if if you like, again, like, if you're into your lo-fi beats, it'll it'll definitely serve every new lo-fi beats artist coming up. But if you deviate that for a half second, no idea. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, again, it's just like somebody, perfect example. It's like, you know, I love my little Griselda. I love my mic. I love my little new wave boom bap. But old wave boom bap, like, fucking Nas, will never be recommended to me. Because the algorithm okay. deals it, you know, like, oh, this is different. But that's the thing, though. It's like, like you know, the algorithm will never just bring it back to Nas. It's never going to know, like you, like it's never going to see you going to like you know Tower Records to buy like it was written, right? <laughs> it's never going to get that data. So, like you know, I, I I think that's the problem. Like it's like it, you don't know me. <laughs> Go like, on a live, know. man. Throw me, throw me a recommendation. Be you the know. fat guy at the record store. Come out there, and be like, hey, man. I see you, you look like a guy who would like this. Here, here's that new, you know, sound bombing two record. <laughs> Give this a listen. And, I, and I, yeah, so like I said, it's, it's, it's the one floor I wish. Or, you know, they should have parent parameters also. Like maybe I'm talking crazy talk, but it'd be nice if you could, if you could actually like adjust the algorithm to go a little bit yeah. wild periodically. It doesn't have to be so perfectly tailored. I yeah. wouldn't mind a, a curveball here and there, but you know. It's yeah. all about active engagement and keeping you paying for those streams. So, and, you know. and the sad thing is, for a majority of people that are not music heads like us, like they want to just hear the same old thing. Like that's is what it is. I can't, but, I can't uh, listen to the Lady Gaga remixes for three hours, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just to bring it back to Nas, though, um, I I think this is really interesting. I I, I feel like Nas is kind of like Jay Z in a lot of ways. Like he is investor, startup investor. Yeah. You know, like he he's like uh, I think he's like investors in sports teams, like things like that. Like um, he really doesn't have to do this. 
um, but he he is doing this, and I do think that um, you know King's Disease, while not my great like favorite rap album, was like a pretty decent Nas album. I mean, I do think he's at, like kind of out of step a little bit, but he doesn't have to do this. Like he's literally doing this for the culture, and he's literally somebody who's kind of like. I kind of have to do the the, the investment thing because like I made millions, I need to diversify my portfolio. <laughs> but I'm still about these streets, you know. And I think that's really interesting. Um, and also, Hit Boy is having this really amazing renaissance. Um, you know, some of his solo work I really love. They put out last year and the year before, so um, I will definitely check this album because I, I I'm you know I'm a Nas fan and. I, I, I should have been checking. I know some people are going to come at me like sideways. It's like, I thought you like hip hop, man. But, um, you know, I, I like regardless of how this album may or may not feel to me, I just like the fact that Nas is out here doing it and doing it like I, I would say, like, it's hard to be an old rapper these days. And he's still kind of doing it and still kind of, kind of remaining relevant, you know? So it's hard to age as a rapper these days, period. Yeah. 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 Um, you said something that kind of gave me a thought. It's, it's also interesting to hear the idea of like a hit boy because hit boy was everywhere years ago. It's yeah. fascinating to hear producers kind of fall out of fashion because it feels, because I remember years ago, going back to the blog era, I remember there was a Manny Fresh had a fucking show and he was playing like shit that could have easily gone on, let's say a Gucci Mane mixtape around that time. Yeah. It's just that, you know, to a certain extent, it's like, oh, you're not the hot guy anymore. So you moved on over here. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. kind of fascinating how you have the same way how rappers kind of age out. To a certain extent, so do producers. Even though, honestly, on both sides, if you're a musician, you're a musician. It's not like you can't suddenly play your keys, you know. It is the, it's just kind of fascinating to see how the industry is so kind of quick to like, hey, oldie, get, that, get the fuck out of here when you're still a very viable artist. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and, and I think like I, you know, a hip boy can just go, I don't know, like you know, work, <laughs> work in the back office somewhere, a label, but you know, the fact that he's still out here, and you know, I, I do really like his like his solo production records. I think they're like really underrated, um, and he's still got it, you know, and, and he's still kind of is really interesting too because he is kind of more in that boom bap era, um, but that's that's a really good lane for him right now. So, yeah, yeah. Fast, faster than you know what I'm saying. But um, that ends this episode of the podcast. You know, down old man rapper lane. You know, me and Stone out here listening to our classic, or not DJ drama, DJ Clue. There we go. Oh, oh man, Clue we got to talk about this next week. DJ DJ drama. This is like the anniversary of the D, DJ drama trial. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, not nice for you know that. Yeah, but the, I, we gotta talk about that next week. Yeah, it's it's I always find that fascinating because you've never really heard. It's always been his st- side of the story. It's where I would love to hear who kind of hit that lever to have that all happen. It's 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 very it's a very very interesting. For, well, actually, we'll save it for next podcast. But yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. Like, you want to hear the government side of the story? You, I do. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. I like I like I like the white man's lies served nice and fresh. You fed. You fed. I like to hear the white man's lies. It's fresh. It's like rice. It's like ah. Uh, <laughs> You know, look at that. The lies are all bright, you know, fresh from the oven, freshly cooked, like mama made. It's great. No, but it's 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 a definitely probably one of the most seminal I can't think of a you could make the argument that the the De La Soul lawsuit was important 
for shifting fucking and probably the most important hip hop lawsuit ever. But this is probably number two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't like, think like, of it's... any. Yeah. It's yeah, like I, I yeah, we'll we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, talk for about sure. next week for yeah. sure. But uh, until then, we want y'all to stay safe. You know, what I'm saying it's winter out there. Wear your coats, dress warmly, rainproof. You know, what I'm saying if you haven't gotten your booster, you know how we feel. Get that booster. Omicron out here. You know, what I'm saying ain't no ain't no Optimus Prime to save you. Ain't no Megatron. We're out uh, here on our own. All we gotta we, do is fucking mask up and fucking vax up. We try and go to Coachella, fam. So exactly, like, y'all fucking up, fucking up my shit. South by Southwest, fam. We, we, I'm, try, we try I'm trying to, to go out, out here, streets, live my life. You're out here wilding. You know what I'm saying? Stop eating that chili's, coughing on the food. You know what I'm saying? Just keep your ass home. Fucking stay, stay, stay safe, stay vaxxed, and you know what I'm saying? We'll get through this shit, and hopefully we'll have our fucking springtime. But, um, as usual, seriously, we love y'all. Stay safe. Peace. Peace. Peace.